0: Fasten
1: your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. This is fatal distraction.
0: Squirrel.
1: Huh? What are you doing? Drinking. Of what? Pepsi. You're going to drink Pepsi? Are you trying to surprise your liver today?
0: Yeah, because we're on our third episode of the day.
1: Yeah. Whose fault is that? Mine. Yeah. You can do that again
0: this bitch
1: no the answer is no no
0: i just got it on my phone
1: yeah i know you're making a mess of what the fuck are you doing dude why are you making a mess of my like of my whole fucking desk over here quit sucking your phone that It's thing is on worse. my side dude the thing is so nasty
0: oh quit licking that's your, okay i'm phone gonna is, put it in my phone this soap thingy at literally, home literally
1: this is literally how you get that's COVID. why we have phone soap okay but you don't have it here You don't have it here, Janet. This is how you get COVID. Tell Dane about phone soap. Hi, Dane. Phone soap is this machine that you put your phone into or your other belongings into, and it uses UV rays to disinfect them from the COVID. And
0: how can you get phone (laughs) soap?
1: By clicking our affiliate link on our website on FatalDestructionPodcast.com. So, Dane, welcome back. Hi. Long time no talk, buddy Long time no talk. I see you didn't change your clothes. Yeah. You must have uh spent the night, you uh, wherever spent the you night were with us, you know. Or, you know, the last five minutes. <laughs> you you sexy minx, you did you have a did you have a sleepover with us? We, five minutes ago.
2: There wasn't much sleeping going on,
1: but oh, our podcast husbands are going to be very upset. <laughs> we didn't Love sleep a wink. We didn't sleep a oh, wink. Oh yeah. No, but we peed though. We there was a lot of pee involved. A whole lot of
0: peeing going
1: on.
2: In fact, most of the time was spent peeing. (laughs) Uh,
0: And
1: also yelling at children.
0: (laughs) So I guess we should do some real quick check-ins, seeing as, you know. Absolutely. Because we haven't done that today. Just in case people haven't listened to the sidetracked or the episode with Jane. Yes. Jane uh, was fun. I enjoyed her. Yeah. So, so so Dane. So, Dane. Right before you, we had a Jane, Dane and Jane, Jane and Dane, and, Dane and she Jane. read our hands, and it. She was a palm, not a palm reader. No, was, it was uh, not palm what, reading. What's Janet. the correct terminology
1: now? Hand science. Hold on, <laughs> hold on.
0: Check that out. Pepsi cleans your desk. Scientific like hand analysis. Okay, and she was maze balls. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Fucking she, scary. She dude. legit made me cry and I don't cry. But at any yeah, you rate. you do, bitch. I've seen you cry a million times. <gasps> yeah, you do, but other people don't. Okay, so, has anything changed in the past five minutes that you would like to talk about? Um, oh, oh by the way, hold on. I'm Miranda Sunquist. Hi. I'm Dan Hi. Scott Stanley. Hi. And
1: this is Hi. Dane.
2: Dormio. The sleeper.
1: Hi, Dane. My Italian Dormio. family last name is De DiGiacomo. De- De- Dicacchio. same thing. Did Giacomo? Did Giacomo? D-I. Jack them all. G i on no. D i g i c o D i c c. Did Dick. So I can make Italian racist jokes because I'm part Italian. <laughs>
0: I can do that, and it's okay. Dane's not, though. We covered this. Yeah, that's right. You're not, so you can't What What's changed it. in five minutes? What's, what do you want to talk about? Ryan made a league.
1: Fantastic. I don't really give a shit about it, but I support him and in his dreams. Do you know what's
0: changed in me in five minutes? How many drinks you've had? And that my bladder's lighter. Has any change in you changed <laughs> in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> that was a tongue twister. Has I,
1: any change in you changed in five minutes changed? Jane changed? Dan well, changed? The Buddha
2: teaches us? All is impermanence.
0: Or change. You
2: can't step in the same river twice.
0: Or ch- so this bitch can. Actually.
2: On the level of the quantum foam, we're all uh, everything is virtual particles popping into and out existence. Oh, yeah. So the real question might be what hasn't changed?
1: Uh
0: my underwear. This
1: is probably true. But, you know, if we ask... Are you even
0: wearing any today? Today? I always wear... I cannot do... I know, but that's usually the question you ask me, so... (laughs) I got ahead of you on something. I can't... I, I, I can't. I am wearing some today, actually. Oh, I had to look check. at that. I'm oh, yeah. on the calendar. I'm wearing my lacy panties. Oh, lacy panties. Want to rock, paper, scissors then and just get ahead of shit? Because we've already <laughs> my, done all this bullshit. Well. we got might a million well. questions we want to continue to ask. Yeah, them.
1: we have a whole list. <sighs> you ready, right. referee? Ready? All right. Rock, Fuck, paper, paper, scissors,
0: shoot. shoot. Fuck <laughs> me. You knew that I was going to scissor you. You always fucking do. Damn, man. You I always should have done do. a paper.
1: Yeah, fucking right. You can't not do scissors. All right, you ready?
0: What do you got for me today?
1: So because last episode we did the mystery mystery air, air craft of the thingy things and of the, the what balloons year. that came out 1892 of 1892 or some shit or bullshit or whatever. Okay, so
0: what do you some code? What do
1: you got code for I me? I think we're all gonna hate this, but I'm gonna love it. I think get I'm comfortable hate in
0: your chair. It. Fuck off, dude. She's you. She forewarned you. You were gonna hate it, Dane. I said you're gonna I get hate comfortable it. Comfortable on your about face. It. He's gonna get comfortable on my face. Oh shit. Well at least I can some hold of us my breath very well underwater. Carry on. There we go.
1: Alright. My I don't know how I feel about this. I haven't read it, but I think it's gonna be interesting because I
0: hate the Bible. So this oh, is Oh god. He just said he's an atheist and you chose this. I'm a
1: fucking atheist too.
0: Oh.
1: Did I tell you how I accidentally got I'll I cuddle
0: with okay. Baffy.
1: No, wait a minute. No, that's my baby Baffy. I'm actually like registered in the uh, the satanic temple.
0: Do you see what your which is atheist,
1: did. which is atheism with a moral code to follow. All right, that's about, that's about it. Read it. Codes in the Bible.
0: <laughs> fucking codes in the Bible. I
1: hate the Bible. Read it. But it's a really, really terrible, gruesome, fucking book of fiction. Oh yeah. Fucking terrible, right?
0: I'm ready for it. All right. I've so, already, I know it front and back, but go ahead. So do I. It's terrible.
1: All right. So. <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> All right. So she's gonna learn you. Are you ready? Got your your notebook and a pen. <laughs> That's a wham. All right. In 1997,
1: a book soared to the top of the bestseller list. It became the topic of conversation and debate from the TV talk show circuit to the kitchen table. The book was The Bible Code. And its controversial thesis was that secret codes hidden in the Old Testament predicted historical events that occurred thousands of years before the Bible was written. Oh, the- damn. The book's author, Michael Drosnin, claimed Michael that Jordan Drosnin, okay, use your ear holes, claimed that he was able to foretell the assassination of former Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin before it happened. He also predicted a cataclysmic earthquake, earthquake, <laughs> <laughs> cataclysmic earthquake. Fuck off. I'm like, five drinks in, dick. I'm lucky that I can still <laughs> this see is words. why we
0: don't record three times in a day. Do you need my Pepsi? You did it. <laughs> this is your fault. I am blaming you. <laughs> Do you need my Pepsi? I'll drink your drink. <laughs> no, because you still have to drive home. <sighs> this Pepsi is delicious.
1: I know. I love Pepsi. This one is my favorite. It's actually my favorite drink. If I had to choose Pepsi over alcohol, Pepsi any day, Hondo P. Okay. Michael Jordan. Drosden. Got it. I hate you. I love you. <laughs> punch in the butthole. Punch in the punch fucking. Punch in right the Finger S- your fucking perineum. Middle finger right up your fucking butthole. butthole. Give you right this boxer move control. right in the. <laughs> Go. Okay, I love you so much. You too. All right. The book's author, Michael Drosnin. Drosnin. D R O S N I N. Drosnin. Say it with me. Drosnin. 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 Say it. Drosnin. Claimed that he was able to foretell the assassination of former Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin before it happened. He also predicted a cataclysmic earthquake would hit Los Angeles in the year 2010. So is the Bible Code just another crazy idea that sold a lot of books? Or does this volume rest on more solid scientific ground? Shit. Well, no, that's ground, not shit. Shit is squishy, solid shit. Ground. Carry on. Then my wayward son. All right, the idea of using codes to extract information from the Bible—what isn't a new idea? In the 1940s and 50s, Rabbi H.M.D. Wismandel attempted to find hidden words in the first five books of the Bible, referred to as the Torah, by using skip codes. A skip code works by looking at the text simply as a string of letters, usually with the spaces removed, and then picking out a series of letters which are separated by a particular number of other letters. Codes which use equal distant letter sequences, ELSs, that is the same number of letters, between each letter of the code are the most common approach. So basically making up your own bullshit, okay? Yes, but mathematically. Okay. Yes. Of course, any large text will have words or even phrases that will show up in ELS codes just by accident. Early in 1900s, though, three scholars, Dorian... Witsum, Eliyahu, Eliyahu rips, and <laughs> Zayahhi, Eliyahu, Eliyahu, ha, Sorry. ha, ha. Sorry. Maya 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 i was so stupid, I'm so sorry. Hello. I'm sorry. Salud. <laughs> Alright. Uh do, 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 do Of course, any large text will have words or even phrases that will show up in ELS codes just by accident early in the 1900s. Though three scholars, Derowan Whitsaman. Elihu Rips and Yoav Rosenberg decided to see if they could detect codes in books of the Hebrew version of the Bible using a scientific mythology. Methodology.
0: No, I almost said the Elihu thing again. Shut the <laughs> <should fuck> up. <laughs> That's why I laughed.
1: Metho- methodology. Methodology is, is the like word I was looking for. Sort of
2: Star fuck. Trek where they're stuck in a time loop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They are. Yes, and Pretty so much. are we. Scientific methodology. The result of their attempt was published in the journal Statistical Science in 1994. Statistical Science is a peer-reviewed scientific magazine of good repute. The study done by Rips, who is a group theorist, Whitsum, who is a physicist, and Rosenberg, who is a computer programmer, was a sincere attempt to put the question of Bible codes on a scientific footing. No way. The approach... To the three chose was to treat ELS letter sequences found in the books as an unknown foreign language. They hoped to prove that a small group of rel- related words like screw and screwdriver <laughs> would show up in close proximity to one another in the code. If they appeared closer than they should by chance, they might show that the sequences in the code had meaning. For the test, they chose the a group of 34 historical figures in Judaism the search was based on the name the birth date and the date of death of the figures the text used was the first book of the bible genesis the results were surprising the authors of the paper claimed that there were there that there was one in i'm sorry that there was a 2 in 10,000 likelihood that the closeness between names birth dates and death dates was a result of chance because of the startling nature of the subject the paper was put through an especially rigorous review before being published in statistical science in the article the author stated we conclude that the proximity of equidistant letter sequences with related meanings in the book of genesis is not due to chance Given that the book of Genesis was written well before the historical figures lived, the study seems to suggest that the names had to be encoded by someone with a knowledge of the future and was taken by some as proof as the supernatural origin of the
0: Bible. Back to the future.
1: Ooh, where we're going? We don't need roads. The paper had many skeptics. One, Harold Gans, a retired cryptologist from the U.S. government's National Security Agency, NAS, decided to see if he could reproduce the article's results. To his own surprise, he was successful. He even tried new sets of names with a similar outcome. While the three authors were working on their paper, Michael Drosnan, a former reporter with the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, became interested in encrypted messages in the Bible. He interviewed and spent time with Rips, then started using similar methods to search through the Bible for word sequences sequences that might be used to predict future events. His most famous find was a prediction of the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin, which he located in 1994. Drosnan warned. Israeli officials, but Rabin was assassinated in 1995. Drosnan took his prediction, plus other coded messages he found, and wrote the Bible code. In the book, Drosnan claims he f- has found predictions of the assassinations of Robert F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, and Anwar el Sadat. In uh, addition to mayhem, Drosnan found the name Edison encoded near light bulb and electricity, as well as Newton near gravity.
0: I feel like that's a lie.
1: Probably. It's about the Bible, so obviously. <laughs> Droznan's most chilling message was a prediction that World War III would start in 1996 with a nuclear attack on the state of, uh, in the state of Rez- Israel. Uh, this didn't pan out, but Droznan later reported that he found work delayed and coded near the prediction. Many experts denounced the, the book. Some of the criticism came from surprising sources. Eliyahu rips and Dorian Whitsum, authors of the original study, disagree that the codes could be used to predict future events. It is literally impossible to make future predictions based on codes. Mr. Drosden's book does not have some examples of codes, or does have some examples of codes that are statistically significant and some that aren't. And the problem is that any layman reading that, that book will have no way of making a distinction. Riff's Whitsum and also Gann's, uh, uh, argued that there would be a number of related words appearing close together in the codes just due to the random chance. It was impossible to know which were true predictions and which were just accidents. The Bible codes only worked well in hindsight when the researcher knew what words he might be looking for. some pointed out that in addition to assassinations of Kennedy, Sadat, and Rabin um, that could be found in the code, so could the assassination of Winston Churchill who wasn't killed at all, but died of natural causes. Other critics found flaws not just with Drosnan's book, but with Ripp's, Whitsum and Rosenberg's paper. Some were unable to duplicate the experiment with the same success as Harold Grant's. Uh, some pointed out that the Bible in its current form is not letter by letter exactly the same as the original text, but have been lost to history. Even small variants... Uh, Variations could destroy codes, especially if those codes employed long skips between letters. Drosnin's Rabin Rabin prediction employed a skip of 4,771. Brendan McKay of the Computer Science Department of the Australian National University, in conjunction with the Dror Bar Natan, Maya Bar Hillel, and Gil Kalil of the Jerusalem Hebrew University, Wrote an article which appeared in the September 1999 Statistical Science entitled Solving the Bible Code. The article refuted the original 1995 paper, claiming that the method used to establish statistical significance was flawed. McKay also demonstrated that any large block of text will yield ELS codes with seemingly meaningful bunches of words in the UN Convention of the Law of the Sea, signed in 1982. He searched for words after making the text more Hebrew-like, removing the vowels. In it, he found the code, Hear all, the law of the sea, as well as, NATO needed an agreement on the sea. The probabilities of fly- finding them in the document he estimated as 95 out of a million and 21 out of a million, respectively. The article asserted the authors of the original paper made mistakes in the way that designed their experiment by choosing particular forms of words that tuned their method to their data, thus invalidating the test. McKay also used the text of I'm sorry, the text of Moby Dick to find. Predictions of the assassinations of famous figures including Trotsky, Gandhi, Robert Kennedy, and others. One prediction was for the murder of Drosnin himself. The problem with the codes is that if someone is looking for a prediction of the particular subject in any large block of text, it would not take too long before he could find encoded words that seem to be related to it. If the searcher was looking for a prediction about a flying saucer crashing in New Mexico, he would find at least some of these suggested words. Roswell, UFO, flying saucer, cover-up, aliens, 1947, uh, disk, crash, autopsy, and others. While the probability of finding at least a few of these is pretty high, the probability of finding any particular one may be very low. The Bible code controversy is not over, though. Neither... Elihu Rips nor Michael Drosen have backed down on their claims. Professor Rips has stated that he believes that the evidence for the codes was stronger than ever, and Drosen has said that the critics have told a lie.
0: I feel like they're just trying to find something in the Bible so they can tear it apart.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean I I would valid, not wrong. But it's kinda like that whole like like if you like search under your partner's phone, if you're looking for something specific, you're gonna find it, even if it's not there. Facts. You know?
0: Like, you drew, you hearted this person's comment. You, how dare you like, like this Instagram that. post? You're obviously cheating on me! Speaking of cheating on me.
1: Yes. You know Dane's here? I do know Dane's here. He insulted my feelings. Thanks, dick.
0: dick Fucking cheating bastard.
1: Many of you know that I do burlesque. So for me, a sexy outfit is absolutely vital. But not only do I wear lingerie on stage in a photo studio, but I have a whole different collection for the bedroom as well. Well, I want to tell you about Yandy. Yandy is one of the leading suppliers of lingerie, costumes, rave and dancewear, swimwear, accessories, and more. They carry a wide variety of styles and sizes from extra small to extra, 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 extra luscious. I don't want you to hear that lingerie is pointless because it gets removed. Because you are a gift that should be slowly unwrapped and cherished. No partner? That is perfectly okay. Research shows that people who wear lingerie for themselves also report more feelings of boosted confidence and empowerment. None to lingerie either? That's okay. They also carry clothing and hosiery, including comfy jammie sets. They really have something for everyone and for all budgets as well. So, use the affiliate link on our website to get yourself wrapped up in lace and latex, babe. <laughs> you deserve it. Florida
0: Man of the Week. Just when you think things couldn't get more fucked up.
1: Florida Man says
0: Yee haw! Hold my fucking PBR and watch this shit. Alright, motherfucker, what you got? Bitch. Bring it.
2: Florida Man. Spots. Five count them five elusive Florida Panthers Ooh. in a single day.
1: One, two, three, four, five. He can count that high? I know, that's impressive for a Florida man.
0: What happened with those Panthers?
2: They were spotted. <laughs> I mean not like they had they were seen by a Florida man.
0: Wow. In a single
2: day.
1: That's I could not have told that from the title. Is that is were they like is that it?
0: <laughs> Were they spotted? Did they have spots? Did they have spots? Well, no,
2: they didn't have spots. That's what I was <laughs> not like because they're 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 panthers. You know, panthers don't have spots.
0: What happened to said panthers? Did they get spotted by other fl- fl- people?
2: I'm afraid that's all there is to the story.
0: That's okay. Everybody's gonna hate my story too. So. No, fuck off. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are assholes. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because fuck the Bible. Fuck the Bible. Fuck the Florida man. Fuck those Panthers. Fuck those spots. I know, they were spotted. <laughs> they were spotted. We when, don't know why. Was he wearing glasses? We don't know when. <laughs> we don't know where. <laughs> were they arrested? Did they try to eat the officer's seat? Did were the they Florida m- up?
1: Did the Florida man at least try to slap the Panthers with a pizza? Did he feed them beer? You're bad at this. Dude. <laughs> You're fired from Florida man.
2: Maybe this was an intentional attempt to uh, push back against the harmful negative against Florida
0: men. Fuck off. Oh, look at him trying to be like, no, I'm calling Josh. No.
2: Look, no. I am.
1: <laughs>
0: Look even how our I am. Even our Florida man <laughs> is even on board our Florida, with Florida man. man is on board with Florida Man. He recorded the Florida man Florida man. What?
1: Well no well, not this one, but this when one. I
2: edited I it, syndrome.
0: he's not from there. <laughs> <laughs> he opted to move there and be Florida man. He chose that life. And he he holds his PBR and says, Watch this. <laughs> Well, he, he,
2: he he had the, he was privileged enough to be able to make that choice.
1: (laughs) Not really. He's from Appalachia. He's from the Appalachia.
0: Are you from Florida? If you take offense to this joke? It's
1: okay. I have family in Florida. Florida. I can say it. (laughs) Anyway. So Dane, we have some questions for you. We have,
0: we have some continuations.
1: Even though you're a jerk face, jerk face, jerk face meany face. I thought I was going to be
2: your next podcast. Host.
1: <laughs> Not anymore because you're mean to me and you hurt my feelings. Fucking bitch. Don't think you're all your
0: father's It was
2: constructive criticism.
0: Yeah. <coughs> so. Questions. So this is for those of you did didn't watch the watch didn't listen to the sidetracked episode of number seven. Dane is our martial arts, mind body mastery coach who has also written a book. What's the name of the book? You have a paper on your side. Confessions of a polyamorous. polyamorous. So we are. Yeah. Oh, you're in it's, the process of writing. It's just written. dating. Yeah. Yes. So we are going to continue with our polyamory questions. Oh no, baby Baffy, Thank and you our, our book Baffy. question airs. So Miranda, yes, you found chocolate in the bowl. I did. Fuck off. This
1: bitch, dude. I'm about to get my period. I need it.
0: Oh, Fuck that's off. Right. I love you. Sorry. Question so, away. So
1: I have a couple of questions from our previous discussion. So anybody who has not listened to our previous discussion, please I stop. Ours. Go back. Listen Go back. Sidetrack. Listen to that. Come so you can back. Continue on. All right. So one thing that I want to ask you: What do you feel? This is something I've struggled with for a long time. Is being able to have that self-identification. So this the self-identity between, say, like bisexual and pa- pansexual. Because right now and pegging pansexual. You started to say pegging, and I got excited. I did not. Calm down.
2: It was a Freudian slip.
1: Difference between bisexual and pansexual. What do you feel, in your opinion, as somebody who is, like, writing a book, so obviously you feel that you are comfortable enough in this field to have knowledge behind this. Do you feel like there's, like, like what is the deciding factor between the two?
2: Well, um, that's that term itself is not something that I identify with or have a lot of exposure to. I don't really see it as being related uh, to polyamory per se, although there may be crossover and intersection in terms of like com- the communities and and individual identification. But the best of my understanding is someone that identifies as pansexual sort of means that they're gender blind when it comes to sexual attraction. I mean, it's. It's what we would have called bisexual back in our day,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it's, so it's more, it's like a more uh, New Agey, I guess.
1: Okay, it Be- means
2: it means you don't even you don't even <laughs> see the gender of a person. You just see and you're attracted to their soul or something like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, because like Which that's is, that's kind of like one thing that I've always but, kinda... but
2: but that's not what I claim to be an expert about. That's I'm just answering because you you ask.
1: But you know I've always identified as bisexual. But now in this day and age, I'm finding that bisexual is actually like it's discriminated against. Even like even like you, we don't fit in with the straights. We don't fit in with the gays. And even in the LGBTQ community, like. Even though the B is there in the LGB, like like bisexual people are like we aren't empathized with, like we don't we aren't seen. And then like I get I get seeing like new because you know like I'm 32 it's man because they like,
0: feel like bisexuals are just confused with their identity, right? And, like, and sexuals are not.
1: Right. See, that's the thing. Like, bisexuals are confused, or, like, you just want to be, like, I just want to be with a man, but I also like, you know, women. Or, like, I am only with women to impress a man, which is not the fucking case, because fuck dudes. I just like Like, boobs and dick. I do, exactly. like. uh, like
2: I I think this kind of thing has been around as long as people have been identifying as bisexual. That, uh, it's the people, I mean, I've I've certainly come across this type of, uh, complaint in the past, uh, being bisexual is is even harder than being gay. Yeah. In terms oh, of like yeah. fitting yeah. in, or
1: and I don't think people understand. Like, if you get
2: judgments from gay people as well. As
1: right. It's people. it's just crazy. Cause like I I fucking love women. But like, it's not
2: the victim. And women. I
1: love fucking women. But I am also in a very happy monogamous relationship with my male partner, who is you know he's a cis male. So like I it's it's also difficult because like like oh you're not a you're not a real gay because you're a woman in a male in a relationship with a male so you don't count but like also at the same time like uh, quite a number of my past conquests or relationships have been with you know females or non-gender identifying or multiple gender identifying
0: so like monogamy was the thing and if you yeah like he said before Monogamy was the thing, and if you strayed away from monogamy, you were a slut.
1: Yeah, you were weird. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you did anything other than what the norm was, you were a slut and a heathen, and you're going to hell. And, I, well, here we are. So what made you you want to
0: write this book?
1: Yeah, like, what happened that made you, like, discover that this was the poly like the polyamory for you like what what was there a precipitating event that made you want to to come out and so you like were like, put Fuck this like i want to write this book i'm gonna make this a thing that's known to all the peoples
2: i can't say there was a precipitating event um it was it was i guess it, it was like it's not something i've ever kept secret but it's just not something i've really uh spoken out about either so i i i basically i i I guess a little part of me in some sense i feel like it's a little bit of a responsibility to Mm -hmm. just add my voice to you know let let my voice be out there because part of the issue is people think uh, pe- people are people are so unfamiliar with polyamory because they they don't encounter it. They they aren't exposed to it because people don't talk about it. So if I I'm in a place where I'm I'm secure enough that I can be open and I can talk about it, and maybe that'll help to make it make it easier for other people to be
0: like open, out. like normalizing it. Yeah. 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 Open other people's eyes. Make people feel safe and secure about maybe feeling okay Talking about. about it. yeah, like, oh, this is I'm, this not, the is, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one, and then, you know, you aren't afraid of the backlash of it.
2: The ideal result is to be a thing where it doesn't even have to be talked about, like.
0: Right, that's like.
2: It's sort of like, there's a, there's a phase where like, it's not talked about at all and then everybody wants to talk about like, oh my god, what do you do? How, how do you, you know, and then it's, and then it goes to like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go right. get left. It's like it's right. not even a thing to talk about. That's right where I'm aiming to get to, you know,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. But you have
2: to go through the the phase of answering everybody's questions and like make it having it be a thing that before people's curiosity is satisfied, and it just right. becomes not a thing.
0: Want to go get lunch? Who'd you not, fuck today?
2: Not ignore, not invisible, but all yeah. of
0: them, all of them.
1: Yeah, there shouldn't be a thing that's coming out of the closet. I don't think. I think there should be a norm. Like when my kids, my kids come to me and say, "Mom, I'm gay." I'm gonna be like, "Cool. What do you want for dinner?" Like mm,
0: that I'll was look. like with JC when mm-hmm. literally she came home, and she was like, "Got something serious. I gotta talk to you about, Mom." I was like, "Cool. What do you want to talk about?" She was like, "Met this girl. Cool. Started dating her. Sweet. So, do you want corn with dinner tonight?" She was like, "Did you even hear what I just said?" Yeah, you're. Dating a girl. Cool. Right. Did you want me to ask you if you wanted to have her to dinner? Well, you're not going to yell at me? Why am I going to yell at you? I have have girlfriends too. And she was like, oh yeah, that's right. What do you think dad's going to do? I'm like, I don't know. High five you? Check out asses with you? I don't know. Do you want me to prep him first? Right.
1: Like, we're not going to cuss you out. And when I was younger and I said that like, you know, like, I think I like girls too, which I knew that I like girls before I like guys, to be honest with you. Like, I was told that it was just a phase, and I'll get over it. And I'm like, nope, that's not a nope. And I didn't even get raised, like, I was not even raised in, like, a Christian family. Like, it wasn't even, like, a Christian conservative family. Just like that, like, nope. I, again, with that a typical Italian mindset, like, nope, that's not, nope, nope. You're gonna have more spaghetti. You're gonna have more pasta. You're gonna have more sauce. You're gonna go marry, you're gonna go marry man. You're gonna have kids. And that's that. There's just phase. You're just trying to get attention. Like, I was literally told that I would, I just wanted attention, and I wanted... Uh, and it was a phase like and and so like that's fucking detrimental you know and here i am 32 still not a phase but also with the polyamory which is completely different than what we're kind of, kind of like what we're that's talking about that's actually
2: similar to the kinds of things that i heard like kind of messages i received like oh of course you want to get married when you grow up and mm-hmm. uh if i i would, like when i was a kid i would say no i don't want to get married and and people would say oh you know you just haven't met the right person or you know that's it's a phase. Basically. But those tax write-offs, though. Financial benefits, though. Right. And, uh, like, yeah, no, it's still hasn't, it's not a phase. It hasn't worn off. Right. <laughs>
1: so, it's like, it, it, it really, like, deters you when you're an adult. Because you're like, I am this way, but I grew up Like, learning something completely different. And just, like, even still in adulthood, even though you know that, like, you're living your best life, like, it still fucking hurts, man. Like, still not a phase. Not at... Like, I'm... I'm, I'm still doing what I gotta do, you know, like I'm still, I'm still living my life. So with situations, it hasn't been the norm. Say like my fiance and I have been in a relationship, a monogamous relationship for the past three years. What if, hypothetically speaking, we opened it up, one of us suggested that we opened it up to a polyamorous relationship. How would one, coming from your viewpoint, how would one approach that situation if that were to be the thing like it would something be up like would something be suspicious
2: well i guess i'll start by saying that is a very common situation that couples who have been together monogamously often married for a long time decide to open up their relationship um sometimes uh sometimes it happens that opening the relationship is seen as a as a like Cheating has already happened and seeing open new relationship is seeing some kind of measure in response to that. Um,
1: like almost like would you say like almost like an approval?
2: But I really think that that we all need to collectively step way back and look at our foundational fundamental assumptions. Mm -hmm. because we are all influenced by the social script whether we realize it or not and it's very covert actually it's we we live we live in a society i'm talking about like modern american society where supposedly the sexual revolution has happened and everything is okay and it all goes but so there aren't like the overt cultural scripts like there are Mm -hmm. in traditional societies and but there's also but there the the scripts are very covert it's very it's just it's much more subtle Mm -hmm. so we we need to look at our uh our programming that says uh, if you love somebody, that means that you must feel jealous because if if you I mean, people, mm-hmm. there's a there's uh, an assumption out there that if you don't feel jealous, you don't really love the person like that's right. an example of mm-hmm. of a common um, uh, pathological uh, relationship script that's endemic to the society that many of us have internalized to some degree, whether even consciously believe it or recognize it or not. Right. Right. Um, and so what really needs to happen is um, like from an individual perspective, you have to get clear first within yourself. It's, it's, what do you want? It's an identity and, and a lifestyle. And, and, and I, I see it as an identity before lifestyle. So it's, for me, it's not a matter of opening up a relationship. It's a mm-hmm. matter of how do I identify? Okay. Well, I know for myself that I can be attracted to more than one person that having uh, being attracted to one person, if I'm attracted to one person and then I become attracted to another person, it doesn't cancel out my feelings of attraction for the first person. Right. I know that about myself through introspection and self-awareness. I know that if I uh, am in love with somebody and they uh, have feelings for somebody else, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, mean to me that they don't love me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, um, and um, so I... Identify this way. I, I'm given a choice between um, between recognizing this about myself and accepting this about myself, or between living in the closet, like choosing not to accept this about myself. Well, right. I'll have these feelings, but I'll mm. not act on them, so that I can fit in, so that I can have a monogamous relationship, whatever. That to me, that's just not even something I could consider. I know people right. do it. You know, there and there have always been people who. Uh, like in, in the analogy with, with homosexuality, there have been people who have gotten married just to cover up. You know, they, they live in the closet. Yeah. That's always been a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, Unfortunately. And,
2: and the way I see it, like if you, mo- if, if you are in a, a monogamous relationship and you have feelings of attraction for other people, but you don't act on them, that could be considered being closeted polyamorous. Okay. because like you have these feelings you just choose not to act on them that's called being in the closet
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and the the kind of real the, the there are lots of lots of hidden assumptions of what i'm saying like for example mm-hmm. most monogamous relationships are based on or many monogamous relationships unexamined unconscious mm-hmm. uh, relationships are based on the assumption of mutually assured destruction i won't reveal my attractions to you mm-hmm. because i i don't want you to reveal your attractions to me because we would both go ballistic so we both keep ahead right. hidden and, and the norm we we can we think that monogamy is the norm but really serial monogamy with cheating is the right. norm and hence the the motivation is oh if, if you're in a relationship you're not supposed to be attracted to other people right so don't be but if you are for God's sake, don't let your partner know about it.
1: Yeah, right, right, right.
2: The relationship script says they would have to go ballistic and go up shit and freak out and right. throw things, um, and uh, and of course you wouldn't want them to do that. And and if they were, you wouldn't want to know about it because then you, according to the standard relationship script, mm-hmm. would have to go ballistic and ape shit and freak out and throw things. So, um, so it's. It's very common that people uh, cheat, but the, the rules, uh, it's cheating. It's only cheating if it's against the rules, except the rules are not explicitly discussed and agreed upon or the agreements. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of absorbed unconsciously. Right. So like, the like... person needs to decide for themselves. And for me, it's like, okay, I am polyamorous. It has nothing to do with being in any relationship. This is just a personal orientation. If I'm in a relationship uh, with someone... They need to understand that about me and and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And when two people enter into a relationship, just like having kids, you know, do you want to get married? Do you want Mm -hmm. to have kids? It's a thing we need to discuss at some point. Entering into a relationship, it needs to become a discussion point. Like, so are we going to be open? Are we going to see other people? What are the boundaries? And and coming to whatever arrangement is made consciously mm-hmm. rather than just unconsciously following the, the standard, uh, unconscious relationship script. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So like with that, so it, it um, it, it, sounds like there's a lot of like familial, uh, and like societal norms of like, what is acceptable, uh, in polyamory and, and, and monogamous, uh, ideals, uh, relationships, you know, and so there's so many different factors. And, of course, every every relationship is different for every single person. Um, I think that the true polyamory um, with that is, is openness and honesty. I, again, I've never been in, personally in, in in a polyamorous relationship um Every relation, I, I would, I feel like I would be comfortable in that. I, I feel like I would be okay with that. You know, I mean, Janet walks into my, my house, and my, my fiance goes, "Hey, sexy, what's up?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but um, I also don't know what would happen if anything ever actually happened between them because it's, it's never happened that I know of.
0: Nope. <laughs> I would always be comfortable in a polyamory, uh, setting. Right. But. The guys and I always put it out there with the guys that I get with and uh, every guy that I get with is always like, "Mm." nope, nope, because God forbid they
1: have competition, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and no, And my favorite thing is and this is the one that I always try to settle with and I've only ever had like one settle with it is like, all right, well, listen. I am uh, totally down with same-sex is not cheating if you're totally down with same-sex is not cheating.
2: I think there's there's a, a whole other dimension to this, which is uh, sex negativity. There's mm-hmm. the Sex negativity is extremely pervasive conditioning in, in all kinds of ways, even in what's... And in, in, in America is, the U.S. is, um, one of the most sexually liberated societies on the planet. I mean, compared to... Uh, Compared to a lot of other countries right. that are that mm-hmm. are very conservative, traditional, um, traditional Muslim countries, traditional Buddhist countries, right. traditional Hindu countries, um, traditional uh, Catholic countries, the U.S. is, is extremely uh, sexually liberated as a society, and also extremely. Uh, but don't
1: show boobs on
0: repressed. Facebook. E- <laughs> extremely oh my sexually God.
2: At the same time, it's kind of a paradox. But there is a lot of sex negativity and and i think the prejudice against love styles prejudice against against gays prejudice against transsexuals prejudice against polyamory is just is just one of the many faces of sex negativity these Mm -hmm. are just like the many faces of, of sex negativity sex negativity is is really like to a large extent the root issue
1: mm-hmm. for sure it's those old school like protestant views so really quick before we move on to janet's story so i just put a really sour candy on my mouth <laughs> it's grotesque anyway. so you're writing this book so can you tell us about like what does this book talk about like what are some of the things in it like what are what can your readers expect and look forward to like who is your target audience who should read this book
2: well it's uh it's it's really something of a memoir um of some of my formative experiences some of my most formative experiences um re- relating to identifying as polyamorous and sort of how that looks for me how that's shown up in my life um i i sort of i i identified that way before i knew what it was or had a word for it like mm-hmm. i and as soon as there was a word i went okay that's what i'm called right um
1: and that's how i felt with like the satanic temples uh, like it, i it, saw the tenants, and i was like oh wait that's me and it feels so like I don't know spiritually invigorating to find a word just so validated, like,
2: yeah, validated, yeah.
1: <laughs> it is. It's just like holy shit, I'm not alone. There's like a whole thing about it. Like there's like a whole community. It, it does. It, it is feel like it does feel like yeah, and absolutely validating. So the I I think actually I think a a big
2: part of my intention is for people to feel validated, and I'll, I'll uh, I I. Start the book with a disclaimer that I'm by no means an expert at this. There are you know, people who are influencers, people Same. Who, who are coaches and, and you know, teach about this stuff. I'm just a person uh, who mm-hmm. happens to uh, identify this way. I've always identified this way. And this is how it has looked in my life because people always have kind of questions like, well, what does that mean? What does it look like? What do you do? And I, I've, 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 I don't consider myself to be like a hugely accomplished person in the realms of sexuality and relationships um i've uh, i've had 20 sexual partners in my lifetime some people that would seem like a lot some people that would seem like not very many
0: yeah um, that's
1: totally a lot i've never I've never re- met that but, amount within like a month
0: easily what, uh, what
2: what i can say is for me they've all been significant and and meaningful oh, heck, and yeah. um they've all been a part of my own uh personal evolution which ultimately ultimately my my spiritual philosophy is relationships are for growth relationships are for uh are, are evolutionary vehicles for right. for us as human beings and so um what i what i've shared in the book is just some of my uh experiences that are sort of what uh what uh, most people might consider outside of the norm like mm-hmm. um uh being at a party and Uh, having sex uh, with my 57 year old girlfriend from behind Mm -hmm. while she's making out with uh, uh, a transvestite who's uh, rubbing her clit from the front. Um, And it's like the first time, time it's at a party the first time we've all three met and it's just like. It's not that's not weird to me at all. It's just like, okay, cool. Right. It's, you know, in the moment it's normal.
1: I mean humans are um, sexual by, a, by it's nature. It's not a
2: thing. It's sort of in a sense, natural human behavior. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean that's fucking like that's found in like you know, primates and stuff like that. Like that's that, a normal uh, that's a normal and, thing. And so
2: so my hope is is um some people can can uh read about my experience and maybe just feel a little bit like less weird themselves.
1: Right, 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 right. All right. Well, um, so my last question before we go on to Janet's story is, do you have any support um, options for other people who might be feeling this way or like, you know, struggling with this identity or like or what or any kind of identity? Like, do you have anything that kind of like helped you out with this situation and this confusion or feelings or anything like that?
2: Yeah. certainly. The main thing is get. Uh, around other people who are like you, get on mm-hmm. Meetup, and of course, Meetup is a different situation now in the midst of the pandemic. But right. it actually means that um, Meetup has uh, online events now. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, there. There is. There are. I know there are a lot of. There are a lot of people like that, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. who. Um,
0: those identify
2: as them. polyamorous or they wish they could or maybe they're in a relationship and they want to know how to open it up really the 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 best solution is you have got to get around other people even if it's just groups on facebook um but get around other people right. that uh that can help you feel uh not like such an outlier that can right. help you process your experience and help you um help you develop a uh a stable uh, identity and, and, yeah. and picture of yourself.
1: For sure. So it's basically just a matter of like finding like-minded people. Awesome. So uh, one more time, really quickly, um, before we go on to Janet, like how can people find you? The
2: best way to connect with me is on Facebook or just look me up as Dane Dormio. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Dane Dormio on the, in the world. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm easy to find. I have different websites and stuff out there, but awesome. that's the easiest ways to find me.
1: Do you love true crime? Have you ever wanted to be a detective? Maybe solve a murder? Have you stayed up until four AM in an energy drink and Google Hole powered frenzy trying to figure out all the details of the John Bene Rams case to figure out who done it only to have to wake up for work in two hours? Not that I've ever done that on numerous occasions or anything. Well, if you said yes to any or all of the above, then hunt a killer is most definitely for you. Hunt a Killer is an immersive, murder mystery game told over the course of six episodes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve the ongoing murder mystery, and in the final episode, you'll be able to catch the killer. Hunt a Killer is a perfect excuse to have a date night or to get your friends together for board game night. It's more interactive than watching a movie, encourages conversation, and still has a story that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Use the link on our website to get your own whole season box or hook yourself or a loved one up with a subscription to get the murder mystery sent right to your doorstep. Time for you to go finger a perp. (sighs) You know what I mean, perverts.
0: Ready for my shit?
1: I'm ready for your shit.
0: Ready for my bullshit? I'm ready for your
1: bullshit. Thank you so much, Dane, by the way. Dane, you ready for my bullshit? Are you ready for her bullshit? 100% ready. Are you oh. sure? Hundo P. He's Hundo P ready. Hundo? Hundo P.
0: We're going back to my favorite website again. Oh, God. The one that you haven't read five times from this week? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change it up. I swear to God. We're going to start having to pay these
1: fucking websites. No, right? Same with mine. The Unnatural Museum, dude. Where
0: the expression, bust your balls, come from? It was the little heels, wasn't it? I can't tell you, but oh. I'm now picturing that. <laughs> i drew that once i actually painted it once it was featured in an art show whether it's busting or breaking balls or stones this expression has long been used by young men and not a few women to express a wide range of emotions brought about by the words or actions of another although the phrase usually accompanies laughter it arose out of a truly painful yet common practice among beef cattle operators where they bust the bull's balls as a method of castration. Bust them like, like pop them like a balloon? Popular usage. Like that. For those not familiar with the phrase, there are a couple of different common meanings to bust your balls. Both of the following examples come from the 1990s movie goodfellas the first and far more common is when someone is being teased or kidded tommy just don't go busting my balls billy okay billy hey tommy if i was gonna break your balls i'd tell you to go home and get your shine box i
1: love you so much please don't
0: ever abuse the god for, uh, the goodfellas i've never seen it so anyways
1: i what the fuck? what abusive what wait a minute what stop i what? don't want no, you like that no wait what abusive wait a minute no wait hold huh? Abusive. Wait a minute. We ain't got time for your bullshit. Wait, we, you've never seen Goodfellas? No. What the
0: fucking shit is wrong with you? Um, I got time to watch other movies. <sighs> is it a horror movie? No. That's why I haven't seen it. No. All Abusive. Right.
1: I'm, nope, I'm sending it home with you tonight and your homework is to watch it. I have to edit shit. I don't
0: give a shit. Alright, fine. I love you. You need to watch it. Abusive. I'm going to fucking abuse you if you don't watch this movie. God. The second and by far the more nefarious is when someone is overworking, overwhelming, or trying to ruin another. I can't destroy. I I
1: can't, I can't fucking handle you right
0: now. Give me the fucking money, you hear me? You hear me, I gotta come here and you bust my balls? Give me the fucking money. Actual ball busting, why? Much more like the second meaning than the first, ball busting occurs frequently in the beef cattle industry. There are several reasons why a beef cattle operator prefers to have his male balls unmanned.
1: Unmanned.
0: When done properly, castration of the bull calves will increase the return to the operation. The major concern of feeding bulls is the marketing system, which favors steer carcasses that can be marketed through a greater number of channels than bull carcasses. Feedlot managers prefer steers to bulls because steers are easier to handle and more docile than bulls, are not as rough on equipment, and are easier to manage as new individuals added to feedlots. The economic advantage to castration is difficult to argue. According to recent studies, male cows that are not castrated, called intact, in the industry, have historically suffered a price discount of around $4 to... Holy shit, there's a decimal. Around $4.50 to $6. To, C-W-T. C-A-W-T? C-W-T. CWT. Is that like cattle weight?
1: I don't know. All I can think about is that you've never seen...
0: Goodfellas. Shut the fuck up. This means that for an 800-pound carcass, the operator would bring in between $36 wondering. and $48 less for a bull than a steer. When? Although some believe intact calves gain weight faster than those that are castrated, most experts assert that... Have you seen... The fellows, Dane?
2: What, you think I'm a clown? You think I'm funny? Fuck off? Thank I you. you?
0: <laughs> I found a leg. It's a leg and a wing. Most <laughs> experts assert that there is no difference and recommend Thank castration you. earlier rather than later. Nearly all agree that the worst time to castrate a calf is during weaning when the calf is separated from his mother because it is already a stressful time often causing calves to succumb to sickness. In fact, though, sickness is much more common among cows castrated at a later age, according to two separate studies. Calves castrated on arrival at feed, at a fucking feedlot, had more than yeah. twice the morbid <laughs> snorted. <about it>. <laughs> <laughs> fucking snorted, I'm sorry. <laughs> twice the morbidity rate. 17.5% versus 38.4%. And almost double mortality, Four percent or four percent versus 7.6 percent of steers that were castrated at an earlier age this is supported by more recent work which revealed 17 to 58 percent increase in morbidity than i hate that word when calves were castrated on, on arrival compared to calves that arrived as steers in any event practices differ with some operations emasculating calves as early as shortly after birth and others waiting I for quit. weeks and even months to castrate their this. baby bulls. Although surgical, hormonal, and chemical methods of castration LR. are all available, by far, most common practices this anymore
1: are the physical I can't work under these methods.
0: Janet that kill the calves, testicles by cutting off their blood supply. I'm gonna fucking cut off your blood supply. You cut off your. You're blood fucking cut off your oxygen supply. You to your... Cut off your clitoris. So you can never come again. I don't come from my clitoris. No, I don't care. Ready? No. Elastic band. Huh. Ready? Yeah, I guess so. This practice, whereby a tool known as an elasterator.
1: An (laughs) elasterator?
0: Is used to put a tight, strong rubber band around the testicles. Dane, do you need an elasterator over there? Good, thanks. (laughs) With the way
1: you're talking, I don't think anybody does.
0: Proceeds as follows
1: I don't want to
0: okay. pull both testicles into the scrotum with the calf standing in both testicles in the scrotum stretch the ring open and slip the open band up over the scrotum release the band just above the top of the testicles recommended only for the youngest calves birth to three weeks this method poses a risk of tetanus and black leg a potentially fatal bacterial infection So vaccinations are usually given simultaneously. If properly done, the scrotum should die and fall off within 10 to 14 days. Because of the great risk of improperly performing this procedure, some countries consider the practice inhumane and have banned it. Berdizo clamps. I don't want to. This sounds bad. (laughs) That sounds painful. Berdizo clamps. Most likely the technique specifically referred to in the expression with this method That employs a clamp known as a birdiezo. The blood vessels in the calf scrotum are literally crushed off, broken, as follows. Find the spermatic cord on one side of the scrotum. Reach between the hind legs and grasp the scrotum above the testicles. Pinch the cord to the outside edge of the scrotum between your thumb and forefinger. Position the birdiezo correctly for crushing. Do not crush more of the scrotum than necessary. Close the birdiezo. Count out 10 seconds and check to be sure the spermatic cord has been held between the jaws of the birdiezo. You can also rock the spermatic cord back and forth in the jaws. Release the birdiezo. Move it to a new site one centimeter below your first site and repeat. And repeat the procedure on the opposite side. Because the spermatic cord must be palpable in order to perform the castration properly, this procedure is not recommended for calves younger than one month of age. Unlike the elastorator method, when balls are busted, the scrotum remains. However, after about four to six weeks, the testicles inside will have completely shriveled up. And that, my friend, is where the expression bust your balls come from.
1: Well, that sounds exciting and fun. Let's do that.
0: Let's do that. Girls' Night Out. Girls' Night Out. Woo! <laughs> do you want the elastic band or the birdiezo clamp? It's not me. It's not my balls. <laughs> I don't care. There you, you go.
1: Jane, if you had to choose how to get castrated, how would you prefer? Do you
0: want the birdiezo clamp or do you want the elastic band?
2: This is a trick question, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No.
1: <laughs> definitely not. No, definitely not a trick question.
0: There's
1: a thing over there.
0: So. Thing. There's something on the wing.
1: <laughs> well, that was interesting news, especially because I'm about to go get my dog fixed. Well, which He's one would you like to do sniff? for the dog? I don't care. It's not my fucking the balls. The clamp. I'll let Ryan <sighs> choose. He's got balls. Oh, my Whatever makes this the way he stops pissing on my wall, little bitch. Oh. Well,
2: actually, I'm halfway castrated since I have a vasectomy. So there you well, go.
0: Well, there you
1: go. Oh, see, I have metal on, spirals. I have metal springs the, in my fallopian deference. tubes. Metal. I have metal springs in my, on my fallopian tubes. So they don't fallopian. Oh. I hate your ass. <laughs> At so, any rate. One for Miranda. Boo! I guess we can whore me... it out
0: now. All right. Well, thank you for sticking around, Dane. I'm sorry for everything. Thanks for staying awake with us. Sorry. You made it through. Now we're going to have some whores in this house.
1: Now we're going to have some whores in this There's house. some whores in the house. Send us over some links and we'll link it up on our house. friends and affiliates page on our web uh, page, fataldistractionpodcast.com. So whoever wants to. Check out uh, Dane and all of our we. other sponsors and everything like that. Please go to fatal distraction podcast.com. You we'll should see. absolutely
0: check them out. Check them out. Ch- check out the book out when it comes out. His He's
1: fantastic. Uh, he messes your up. body. Thank you so much, Dane, for putting up with our bullshit. Hey, thanks for listening to our show. New episodes and content are made possible by listeners like you. You can show support by also supporting our ad sponsors, our friend shows, by checking out some of our merch, and our Patreon. All this can be easily found by going to FatalDistractionPodcast.com.